John B. McClendon pioneered it, Rick Pitino mastered it, and Bob Huggins made it an identity. Love it or hate it, folks, I'm Justice Rohde. This is the Full Court Press. Alrighty, folks, it's a beautiful Wednesday morning, 8.07 a.m. Welcome into the Full Court Press. I'm Justice Rohde. My apologies for the late start, just a little bit of a technical difficulty just trying to log into the computer it took a little bit a little bit too long for my liking but we're going to jump right into it with the content here first segment the nba came out and announced a rule for an age limit this self-imposed age limit would mean that players would have to be out of high school for two years so to say you were to go to the professional level like overtime elite or if you wanted to go to the NBL, you have to be out of high school for at least two years, kind of adopting the old Major League Baseball rule. My issue with that is that kids are making so much money these days. What's the appeal of the NBA going to be? Let's say, take a prospect, for example. Let's start with A.J. Johnson. He just signed a deal with the Illawarra Hawks. He was originally committed to Texas. He elected to go instead the professional route, kind of like his older brother Jalen Green did with the G League Ignite program. What's going to entice A.J. Johnson to want to stay in America and go to the NBA? I think that's the major issue. With a guy like that... You're putting him in a bad spot, and you're putting yourself in a bad spot. Because with A.J. Johnson, for example, explosive guard, he's a dude who's not going to want to wait two years. He's going to just make his money and go elsewhere. He's going to play, and he's probably just going to play overseas for the rest of his life, or he'll come back to the NBA when he's like 21. But you're, you're hurting your own teams and your own franchises because you're denying them the opportunity and a potentially generational player in some instances, or at least a franchise piece in some instances, just by self-imposing this age limit. It does you no good. It does your franchises no good from a money-making perspective. And it doesn't do the kids good. Now, I've had this opinion for a long time. I don't believe the NBA has the best interests of any of their athletes at heart. They're a business at the end of the day. A business's one objective, like I learned in my financial lit class, shout out to my old teacher, Dan Reeves, the only purpose of a business is to make money. With the NBA, who's making the money for you? Because it's the athletes, and by them having their own personal brands, and by them having their own sort of identity on and off the court, They're making you money basically any time they breathe air. Let's take the John Morant situation, for example. Not something the NBA wants to have happen, but any sort of attention for the NBA is good attention because people are going to be wondering what this kid's doing. If you don't know the John Morant situation... Um, The young man is a star point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. He got caught with a firearm 
on live. And the NBA is investigating it. This young man who is making millions and millions of dollars to be very, very good at the game of basketball might be suspended for an entire year because he wants to act like something he isn't. The NBA gets attention from that. Now, let's say Victor Wembanyama, who's the number one prospect, maybe he might be the best prospect we've seen since LeBron. And if he's better than that, he's the best prospect we've seen since Kareem. You are denying that young man if he has to wait two years, because Victor Wembanyama is only 19. If Victor Wembanyama had had to play under this new rule, if he tried to enter the draft next year, he'd have to wait another year. You'd have to wait till he's 21. You're denying teams an opportunity at a generational talent in that case. And for the NBA, I just don't think that's a great move. Money-making-wise, and I don't think that's a great move for the athletes. Okay. Keeping tabs and keeping with the NBA theme. There's been a lot of talk and speculation about Dylan Brooks. The, for those of you who don't know who Dylan Brooks is... Dylan Brooks is an ex-shooting guard now of the Memphis Grizzlies. He attempted a little something that goes back to the old pro wrestling days. I am a big pro wrestling fan. My father and my older brother are big pro wrestling fans. The concept of the heel is what I'm going to touch on here. The first real time that we saw a heel attempt in the NBA was the bad boy Pistons of the 80s and 90s. That was the team that played smash mouth basketball, in your face, clubbing dudes every time they came in the lane. You weren't getting out of there without a couple of bruises and maybe a bloody nose at best. They were the dudes that everybody hated because of how they played. They played physical, they played rough and rugged, and they didn't really kind of care about what you thought about them. Then we had probably the next version of the heel I could think was probably LeBron going to Miami. Is like the heel attempt I think of. Now, was that an unintentional kind of heel turn? Yes, because LeBron was doing what he thought would get him a ring, and it ended up getting him two. But people in Cleveland were going out on the street burning LeBron jerseys en masse. Like, filing into the streets, their owner made a public declaration shaming LeBron. Like, talk about some unwanted heat. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty much it. The Spurs teams of the mid-2010s probably come to mind next they're kind of like the Warriors in a sense where the Spurs and the Warriors were so good for such a period of time they're kind of like the Patriots of football they were good so people hated them that was the issue with those teams like the major issue that people had they're really good so I'm gonna hate on them that was the entire premise of the San Antonio Spurs Golden State Warriors kind of heel run Then Trey Young and the New York Knicks happened. And that was the first time that I'd seen a superstar, or at least a star-level player in the league, attempt to be a heel. 
with Trey Young. He walked into Madison Square Garden in a 4-5 series, and he said, I'm going to do what I do. I watched Trey Young in high school. So I'm live. Trey Young, let's just put this kindly. He's never been shy of conflict. Now, is he one good trash-talking moment away from a generational tail-whooping at any moment? Yeah. Yeah, he is. But with Trey Young, you have to take everything that you see with a grain of salt. Because he is really, really good at the game of basketball. People have said that the closest thing... He's the closest thing we have to Steph. I think he plays a little bit different, but that's just me. With Trey, he walked into New York, and now basically all Knicks fans hate him because he played really, really well in a playoff series and kind of let the crowd know that he was playing really well, if you get what I'm saying. The hand gestures, waving by, just smiling and bowing to the crowd after hitting a big shot. Like, he's playing the moment, right? Then Dylan Brooks came along. Dylan Brooks, for those of you who have not kept up with the NBA, maybe, for you at home who maybe is a casual NBA fan, maybe you're a diehard and you already know everything about the situation. You just wanted to hear a unique take. Here's my take. The number one issue with what Dylan Brooks tried to do is he was cashing check he was writing checks that his mouth that his play could not cash. The number one issue in basketball. Me and my mom had a good conversation about this because I was a really egotistical kid growing up. Like, like way worse. Way, way worse than I am now. She said, son, you're going to eventually write a check that your play or your physical ability just cannot cash if you keep it up. Dylan Brooks was kind of the, the runt of the yard, if you would say that where he was kind of, you know, maybe left out of the litter a little bit. And so what did he do? He decided to make a name for himself by taking a shot at the big dog, LeBron James. Now, Dylan Dylan Brooks had already caused some flack early in the year when he went after Draymond. He attempted to injure Draymond. He was playing very reckless, very unsafe in a series – They played a couple games against Golden State in like a couple weeks span. And he was playing very reckless. Now, is that necessarily here to No, but it's what he was saying after where he just kind of showed no remorse and just kind of said the game is the game. And it kind of is what it is. Which is probably not something you want to say to Draymond Green of all people. I mean, the dude has his own podcast. You know, he's got a big-time media platform. He already is kind of a loudmouth, and then you give him an opportunity to run his mouth even more. For him, that's just open season. I mean, he's loading three in the chamber, and he's going hunting. Dylan Brooks goes after LeBron and says, oh, he's washed. I can guard him. You know, this is, I, he's not what he used to be. 
Hey, PSA, Dylan Brooks. LeBron, not what he used to be, is still twice the player that you could ever be. I mean, we're talking about arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. A dude who, in a down year, averaged 25-8 and eight with six rebounds. He's inhuman. So to say that LeBron would be an easy guard was kind of an overstatement. Kind of some hyperbole there. So they go into the series, Memphis does. They're at home, they're the two seed, right? They get boat raced by the Lakers. And LeBron just makes Dylan Brooks look like an absolute clown in game three. And from game three to game six, Dylan Brooks refused to speak to the media. But Dylan, you said LeBron was going to be an easy guard. Well, apparently for Mr. Dylan Brooks, he finally wrote a check with his mouth that his play simply could not cash. So now Dylan Brooks is in search of a team, and it brings up the conversation of the NBA heel. Dylan Brooks made a valiant attempt at it. Don't get me wrong. Dylan Brooks made a very valiant attempt at it. But he simply just did not have the body of work as a basketball player to back up what he was saying. And with the heel in the NBA, I think what we have right now, Draymond Green does it really well, but Draymond Green's just a chippy player. He just plays with a chip on the shoulder. That's just who Draymond is. The issue is with the heel in basketball. Trey Young can make it work. Trey Young's a star in the league. He's a top 30 player in the NBA. He can make it work. You've just got to have the body of work athletically to help you catch up to the checks that your mouth is writing. For Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies, who are already surrounded by a myriad of off-the-court issues. There's questions about that locker room. There's questions about that organization. There's questions about dang near everything involving the city of Memphis. Long live his attempt at a heel. Boy, did it have a glorious half-a-season run. But maybe next time we see a heel run, maybe, maybe establish yourself a little bit more. And it kind of lets you wonder who's going to try to be the next heel. I've got my eye on a few. Just don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if we see one soon. It's time to go to the opinionated segment of this full court press. Ladies and gentlemen, what we saw last night in a first round game against what I thought is was going to be, you know, a pretty solid team coming in the year in the Lakers. They were on a real hot streak. They've had the best record since the All-Star break. They've had the best defensive rating since the All-Star break, and they've had the second best offensive rating since the All-Star break. They're hot. There's no other way to put it. They're hot. 
Mr. Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets elected to go out last night, and Jamal Murray shot 66% from the field, 66% from three, and Nikola Jokic decided to drop a triple-double before the third quarter was even halfway over. Quite frankly, it's one of the greatest offensive performances I think I've seen live. Watching it, just watching it in my buddy's room before we went and did some DoorDash shenanigans. Trying to make a little extra money at some college kids. I was watching and I said, goodness gracious. He's a top three offensive engine of all time. And to be honest, he might just be number one. He might just be, folks. Let me spit something out for you for Nikola Jokic. Last night against the Lakers, he dropped 34 points. Was 3 for 3 from 3. 21 rebounds. 21. And 14 assists with 2 blocks. For his career, he averages 20.2 points, 10.5 rebounds, and 6.6 assists. This year, 24.5 points, 11.8. That's dang near 12 rebounds and about 10 assists on 63% from the field and 38% from three and 82% from the lines. Effective field goal percentage is 66%. He may be the most unorthodox player in the league. Shoot, he may be the most awkward to watch. If you would just take a minute and just look at it and just see how he hits cutters. Where are his eyes? His eyes are kind of like a midfielder's in soccer. His eyes are constantly up. He takes one peek before he gets the ball. He gets to see where the defense was and where the defense is moving. He's already a step ahead. His mind is working faster than his body. That's telltale That's telltale number one for offensive engine. He's a monster on the glass, creating chances for his team. He'll run a high pick and roll. He'll take the ball at the top of the key and play point guard if he feels like it. Shoot, he might step out and shoot a 25-footer. He might sit inside the lane and go from 12 feet and shoot eight spinning floaters a night. And it'll look unorthodox, and you'll be like, how did he hit that? And then he'll end up with a box score that looks like 34, 21, and 14. Quite simply, maybe the greatest offensive engine of all time. I've seen LeBron do some things that I think are just simply inhuman. But Nikola Jokic, what he did last night against that very same man that I just named, is putting him up there at number one for me as an offensive engine. Because he's a five-time All-Star, he's an All-Rookie guy, five-time All-NBA player, and two-time MVP. You don't get that by just being a slouch. And from what I've seen with the intangibles of Nikola Jokic, his passing ability, unreal. Makes some of the most ridiculous passes you've ever seen. Puts some incredible touch on the ball. He doesn't miss a fast break pass. Great touch around the rim. 
can step out, shoot the mid-range. He's a three-level scorer. He creates chances, he's setting up the offense, and he frees teammates for easy looks. Quite simply, Nikola Jokic is the, I think, the greatest offensive engine of all time. We're going to take a quick, quick PSA break here, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to the Full Court Press with Justice Rohde. All right, welcome back into the Full Court Press. I'm Justice Rohde. And switching gears now, we're going to talk about the EuroLeague for a minute. Now, you at home are probably asking me, Justice, why would I ever care about European basketball? Well, I'm about to present to you the case why you should probably pay attention to the EuroLeague. The EuroLeague, for you at home that may not know, It's kind of like the March Madness of professional basketball in Europe. The best teams get a chance to duke it out against each other for a chance at basketball glory. For example, players like Nikola Mirotic, Nikola Mannion. I mean, even legends such as Norris Cole applied their trade over in Europe. Those of you who know those Miami Heat teams. The EuroLeague's really interesting. It is. You've got teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid, and you're probably thinking, Justice, this, this isn't soccer, is it? No, they also have basketball teams, and they're very good. For example, Barcelona's roster. Ex-King center Jan Vesely. Ex-Buck and ex-Pelican, Nikola Mirotic. Potential top 30 pick of this year, James Najee, Corey Higgins, Alex Abrines, Thunder legend, and Wizards legend, Tomas Sadoransky. While some of those names may not have significance to you, to FC Barcelona, they have plenty of significance because they are in the EuroLeague semifinals in two days, playing against their soccer arch-rival, Real Madrid, who, to be fair in their own right, doesn't have that bad of a roster. For example, Gabriel Deck, former Oklahoma City sniper, Nigel Williams-Goss, Gonzaga basketball legend, took them to a Final Four run. And the crown jewel of all of them. Former Raptors and Knicks legend for trying to dunk over a man falling flat on his face. Mario Hazonia. That may have been a wake-up call for you. I know it was for me. I hadn't seen some of those names since I last played 2K17. Some of those guys are... So irrelevant, you could tell me their name, and I'd say, are we sure they're not a postal worker? Switching to the other semifinal matchup, Olympiacos. Yeah, they also have a basketball team, too. And they've got guys like Tariq Black, Nuggets forward. George Pappas, how about that name? 
former Kings guy. And Joel Blumboy, who played for the Bucks for a couple of years. They're doing it. And uh, Monaco. Yeah, not only do they have a soccer team, they also have a basketball team. That's a common thing that you'll see with with this EuroLeague. Three names on this Monaco team that immediately stand out. Dante Hall, former Pistons guard. Elia Kobo, Suns legend. Elia Kobo, backup point guard legend. And Mike James, former Brooklyn Net, sniper. Go watch his basketball highlights on YouTube. Dude's a bucket. I don't know why he isn't in the NBA. The case is there's so much ex-NBA talent. Why would you not want to watch? My second case for the EuroLeague is the basketball is unlike anything you'll see in the United States. It's some of the purest basketball you will ever see. And to be honest, the refs don't really have much of a whistle. You're going to see guys get bumped. You're going to see guys get fouled. You're going to see guys get hacked. Some guys might just get straight up assaulted. A foul might look like someone should be in the county jail for two weeks to think about what they've done while the officers sort out the paperwork. But the appeal of the EuroLeague is, is it's pure basketball. It kind of looks like 1980s, early 1990s NBA. But with more spacing. Traditional big men still exist. For those of you who are into that kind of thing, I know I am. Love a good big man. They have stretch fours now. Nikola Miritich, hello. Shot 45% from three in Milwaukee. Before he left for a bag in Barcelona. Don't blame him. Get your money, man. And they have real skill. NBA-level skill in a completely different style of play with shorter three-point lines and a lot more pressure situations the drama's palpable you can feel it that's my third case other than the basketball's good the atmosphere is better than an NBA atmosphere it's like you dragged 30,000 soccer fans rabid about their team crazy burning flares and stuff making TIFOs in the stands you know those cool little pictures that they make in the stands called TIFOs Yeah, they're doing that in a basketball arena. They're chanting. They're screaming. The court looks like March Madness. It's just like a court on a a concrete base. The players are on the sideline. They're yelling. They're chirping. You know, there's a real tension palpable that just you don't see in America. They care maybe a little too much at times. There's been fistfights. Guys have gotten tussled up, a lot of technical fouls. They care. X's and O's are good. A lot of the NBA's X's and O's are adopted from EuroLeague sets because they maybe have some of the purest in and out of bounds basketball I've seen in a while. So with the fan base, there's also an element that disrupts those X's and O's. 
You can yell out all the plays you want, but if 45,000 fans are screaming down on top of you, chances are you're not going to be able to hear it. My case for the EuroLeague is pretty, pretty simple. Great basketball, rabid fan base, potential NBA talent, James Najee, top 30 pick. He's playing for Barcelona. You can check him out on Friday if you think your team's got a shot at him late first round. And it's just unlike anything you'll see in America. Now, you could just go say, Justice, what if I want to watch Taiwanese basketball? See Dwight Howard. What if I want to watch China? See Taco Fall dominate. What if I want to watch Australia? See some of those young guys. I wouldn't blame any single one of you for doing that. But why not watch pure basketball? A whole host of NBA talent. And hey, while you're at it, check out the fans. They're pretty cool. They seem to care a lot. And hey, they got great food, great culture. Who knows? Maybe you'll like it. All right, it's time for a transfer portal update. It seems like I have to do this every week because it's just crazy right now. Okay. Florida State 7-4 center. Name McLeod. I probably butchered that name, but I'm trying. He's going to Syracuse. Saw him when he played Nebraska in that tournament down in Orlando. He's 7-4, so he's disruptive. Provides an element of spacing. And for a Jim Beheim team that needs reloading after they just got J.J. Starling, why not add a five-man? Former Oklahoma State center Musa Cisse commits to Ole Miss. Chris Beard. Get Brandon Murray. Okay. Interesting. Now you get Musa Cisse. Okay. Retooling the roster. I get it. I'm trying to find Ole Miss's full transfer class because they love to hide this stuff from me. It's just, it's interesting to see, even though Chris Beard got into those allegations off the court, it's interesting to see how much bull he still has. Guys still want to go play for him because he's a dang good coach. I mean, after all, he is Chris Beard. Shown proficiency at Texas Tech. Shown a whole host. Okay, so the transfer portal in total. Shown a whole host of proficiency, by the way, in the transfer portal. Musa Cisse, seven foot one center from Oklahoma State. Brandon Murray, Georgetown's leading scorer from last year, former LSU guard. Austin Nunez from Arizona State. He didn't play a whole host last year, but he's a young guy. Got a ton of eligibility left. He'll be fine. And the creme de la creme, the piece, the cherry on top, Jamarian Sharp from Western Kentucky. You at home is probably wondering, like, Justice, why do I care about someone from Western Kentucky? He probably yodels, sings to his family, 
and lives in the house on a hill. They are the hilltoppers, after all. Jamarian Sharp is seven foot five, two hundred thirty-five pounds. Now you may be saying, Justice, he's maybe two twenty, soaking wet. This guy's a string bean. He's a string bean who's seven five, has incredible shot blocking ability, and spaced the floor to a tune of a forty-two percent from three clip last year. If you think Chris Beard can't use a guy like that, my friend, you are simply living under a rock, or you have not experienced the great basketball abilities of one Chris Beard. He's going to do a lot in Ole Miss. He might just flip the program around to be top six in the SEC in a couple of years. He's that good. For my sake, I hope he doesn't. You know, with those allegations that he had off the court. Which kind of don't want him to, you know, be good. Prove the fans, prove the fans wrong. Don't really like that. Okay. A lot of guys have entered the transfer portal. Arthur Kaluma, Julian Phillips. They're going to the NBA, probably. Someone who entered the transfer portal and then got immediately back out. Jordan Dingle. You, sir, are a St. John's Red Storm. Rick Patino lands in New York and immediately starts recruiting and picks up two recruits. If you thought Rick Patino still didn't have pull in the year of our Lord 2023, oh, my friend, were you and I both wrong? I thought Rick Patino, great coach, great X's and O's guy, won a national title at Louisville that got revoked because he did some off-the-court stuff. That seems to be a real theme of today, off-the-court issues. Apparently, he still has some pull in the New York area because he's landing a bunch of these ex-New York guys. It'll be interesting to see what they do next year. I think they'll be pretty solid. Top four team in the Big East for sure. I think Rick Pitino has that X's and O's potential. But they're retooling awfully quick. They are retooling awfully quick. Okay. Yet another opinionated segment. Justice, I'm getting tired of these. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Gotta have content. You know what I'm saying? You gotta make this fun somehow. Top 10 grassroots basketball states. I hopped on a FaceTime with my mom the other day. Hi, Mom. She was very, very excited to see my face and at the prospect that I'll be coming home in a couple days. She said, hey, for your podcast, you ever thought about ranking high school basketball states? I said, well, Mom, now there's a real idea. Pretty solid idea, if you ask me. So let's go ahead and do that. Ranking the top 10 grassroots states in the union. All 50 states. Okay. Number one is California. Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love. They've got a whole host of basketball talent. They're... They're quite simply just number one. Produced Jalen Green. How many Hall of Famers have they produced? Hmm. Oh, Aaron Aflalo. Trevor Ariza. Matt Barnes. 
all of the berries. Well, at least Rick Berry's kids. Scott Brooks. Bill Cartwright. Talk about a funky free throw form. DeMar DeRozan makes another appearance. Jared Dudley. Baron Davis. Jordan Farmer? Heck yeah. I didn't know I'd see his name on here. Paul George. Taj Gibson. James Harden? Hello. You want to score the ball? Drew and Justin Holiday. Solomon Hill. Oh, don't get my buddy Logan started on him. Dennis Johnson. How about a Hall of Famer? Casey Jones? Kawhi Leonard. Damian Lillard. The Lopez Twins. Reggie Miller. You want a name to end on? That's probably good there. Gary Payton, Paul Pierce, Jim Pollard. They're just number one. Number two for me is New York. The Mecca. ton of players are from New York. The big one that comes to mind is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But you've also got Jose Alvarado, Kyle Anderson, Tiny Archibald, Carmelo Anthony, Mo Bamba. You want to talk about 2017 big-time hits. Buddy Bayheim, Jim Bayheim's kid. James Booknight. Larry Brown. Moses Brown. Thomas Bryant. The Champennies. Bob Cousy. Billy Cunningham. Sixers legend. Oklahoma City legend Hamadou Diallo, dunk contest winner. Andre Drummond, Billy Donovan. Julius Irving, the doctor? Rudy Gay, Danny Green, Mo Harkless, Tobias Harris, Connie Hawkins? Now there's a conversation that you don't want to have. Connie Hawkins, the top 50 basketball player of all time. Kevin Herter, Jonathan Isaac. The list goes on and on. They've got a ton of NBA talent. Donovan Mitchell. Just in case that wasn't enough for you. Isaiah Stewart, Kemba Walker, Lenny Wilkins. Ton of basketball talent in New York. Number three is Texas. There's like the name I can think of when it comes to Texas. Name that jumps to my mind because I lived near Oklahoma State for a little bit is Marcus Smart. How about LaMarcus Aldridge? Chris Bosh? Greg Brown? Remember his high school highlight tape? Nasty. Alex Caruso. Jimmy Butler. Jarrett Culver. Cade Cunningham. There's a name you haven't heard. He's going to be really good in a couple of years. A.J. Griffin. Carson Edwards. R.J. Hampton. Jalen Harris. Daniel House, Justin Jackson, Casey Jones again. Julius Randle, Torian Prince, Bill Sharman, Marcus Smart, Miles Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, Grant Williams, Justice Winslow, and Trey Young, even though Oklahoma likes to claim him. Number four is Illinois. 
and it's simply because of the Chicago area. How about Patrick Beverly? Max Christie, Mo Cheeks, 2K legend, Robert Covington, Anthony Davis, top five player in the NBA today. Taylor Horton Tucker, Andre Godala, Nuggets legend, Dan Isol. Let's go. Frank Kaminsky. John Conchar. Grizzlies legend. Kendrick Nunn. Jaleel Okafor. Remember when he was supposed to be a game wrecker? Jabari Parker. Heck yeah. Max Struess. DePaul legend. Fred Van Vliet. Dwayne Wade. Going to be a Hall of Famer. That's Illinois. North Carolina. Can I interest you in P.J. Tucker? How about I interest you in Kent Bazemore, Walt Bellamy, Sadiq Bay, Seth Curry, Devontae Graham, Montrez Harrell, Brandon Ingram, Reverse Dunk Legend, Jay Huff. The Martin Twins. Bob McAdoo, Hall of Famer. Chris Paul. Dayron Sharp. 14-team legend, Ish Smith. David Thompson, the Skywalker. Jordan's inspiration. TJ Warren, John Wall. Kobe White. Patrick Williams. Zion. And James Worthy. Florida. Florida dropped on the list for me. They didn't have as much talent as I thought they would, if I'm being totally honest. Like, I was looking at the list of uh, of ex-Florida talent. I wasn't really impressed, if I'm being totally honest. Because, like, most of the guys I thought would be from Florida were from completely different states. Shows you how much I know about hometowns. It was it was really interesting to look at it. And now I can't even like like this is getting hard. They're making it hard on me. Basketball reference isn't like me today. Just crashed out for those of you who don't know. But, yeah, uh, Florida had a fair bit of basketball talent because it's not letting me pull it up right now. Um, doesn't like me. But, yeah, Florida is at number five. Basketball reference hates me today. Okay. Georgia's number six. How about Malik Beasley, B.J. Boston, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Wendell Carter Jr., Jay Crowder, Anthony Edwards. Dunks, dunks, dunks. Dale Ellis. Walt Frazier. World be free. I want to talk about bad hairlines. Horace Grant. Derek Favors. Derek Harper. Dude. Walker Kessler. Davion Mitchell. Isaac Okoro. Colin Sexton. We don't want to have the Colin Sexton conversation right now. And Josh Smith, lefty legend, Hawks lefty legend. 
that will round out Georgia. Pennsylvania, the name when it comes to Pennsylvania. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Paul Arizon, Macau Bridges, Wilt Chamberlain, Chuck Cooper, Bob Davies, Tom Gola, heck yeah, DeAndre Hunter, Derek Jones Jr., jazz legend George Carl, Kyle Lowry, Pete Maravich, the pistol, Earl the Pearl Monroe, a lot of Hoffers, a lot of Hall of Famers. Cam Reddish, still believe in him. Maurice Stokes, dude, let's go. Lonnie Walker, Brad Wanamaker. I know my buddy's big into Brad Wanamaker. That's Pennsylvania. Very, very top-heavy with Hall of Famers, but not a lot of pro-NBA substance right now. Indiana's number nine because I have to honor the Hoosier State. If I don't honor the Hoosier State, I might just get attacked. My mom might attack me. Desmond Bain, Larry Bird, Hall of Famer. Larry Bird. Darius Garland. Gordon Hayward. George Hill. Jaden Ivey. Romeo Langford. He was supposed to have a really great career. Mason Plumley. Blake Wesley, Cody Zeller, rich basketball history in Indiana. And number 10 is D.C. I know it's not a state, but I mean, it's it's Washington, D.C. Elgin Baylor, Dave Bing, Adrian Dantley, Kevin Durant, Luca Garza, John Thompson, Georgetown legend. There's enough substance here to put it above some of the names that it could be. That whole DMV area could be classified as one, but I don't know if I want to have that conversation about the DMV. So just DC at number 10. Just DC. All right, we're going to try to figure this out. I'm going to go back and give you some names from Florida. Because I'm going to find some. His basketball reference hated me at first. Okay. We got him. We're good. Adonis Haslam. Tim Hardaway Jr. James Jones. Luke Mute. Let's go. Austin Rivers, Mitch Richmond, Joel Embiid, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons, Jonathan Isaac, Kevin Knox, Grayson Allen, Anthony Simons, Trayvon Duvall. That's a name I haven't heard in a minute. Watch his mixtape. He was nasty. RJ Barrett, Bruno Fernando, Josh Green. A lot of good current NBA players. So that's who's from Florida. All right. That'll pretty much do for today. Thank you for joining in to the Full Court Press. And thank you for listening again to the Care on You Marathon. Um, 
This has been great content. I know David last hour did a great job with his show. Did an excellent job. And does great work with after the credits. I have zero clue who is coming up after me, but I'm sure they're going to do a tremendous job. There's a whole lot of great content on care and you. And while we're on the topic of care and you, you know, it, it, it is a nonprofit radio station. No, it's a, it's a college radio station. So anything you feel like donating really helps. I mean, just it, it's, it's a nonprofit college radio station. There's not a whole lot of funding going into it already. If you would be so generous as to just give or even leave a kind note to Professor Rick Galloway, just saying thank you for all the work that he does. It's a tremendous job. I've been blessed with a tremendous opportunity here to be able to do what I do, do what I love. So please, anything you feel like. Hey, don't be afraid to just give some feedback if you feel like it. That'll do today for the Full Court Press. Thank you for tuning in. As always, remember, John B. McClendon pioneered it. Rick Patino mastered it. And Bob Huggins made an identity. This has been the Full Court Press. We'll see you next time.